VW Africa Link This is the right place to be if you want to explore events from Africa and beyond. Hello and welcome to DW's Africa Link program with me, Eddie Micah Jr. And with me, Josie Mahachi. Join us on Facebook at DW Africa and share your thoughts on our stories. We also appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. Coming up on the program... DR Congo reacts after a constitutional court confirms Felix Sekedi as winner of December's presidential elections. If he succeeds bringing down the dollar rate, then he will succeed in everything. He will have to put an end to this war, which is affecting the social life of the population. Also ahead, Nigeria intensifies its crackdown on fake degrees. So this problem is very, very wide. Uh, you see a lot of young Nigerians now who are desperately looking for a certificate. And it's causing a serious dent to our educational sector. Why do I have a feeling you're looking forward to that story? Well, for that, stay tuned. We'll be back for more after the world's news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyinge. Germany has authorized the export of missiles to Saudi Arabia ending restrictions that were introduced in 2018. The delivery of 150 Iris T air-to-air missiles to Riyadh is a major shift in policy for Chancellor Olaf Scholz's government. Berlin stopped arms export to Saudi after journalist Jamal Khashoggi was killed in the Saudi consulate in Turkey. U.S. intelligence found that Saudi Crown Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman sanctioned his murder. DW political correspondent Julia Saudeli with more on why Germany is resuming arms export to Saudi Arabia now. We've heard from German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock saying that uh, a big role in this change of position uh, from the German government is the way that Saudi Arabia behaved and conducted itself uh, regarding Israel in the last uh, few months since uh, the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Uh, Baerbock said that Saudi Arabia has had a constructive approach to Israel in the last few months, and that seems to have convinced uh, the German government of the reliability of the Saudi Arabian uh, government. That was uh, DW political correspondent uh, Julia Saudeli. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has reaffirmed Washington's support for a Palestinian state on his visit to West Bank. Blinken said he had productive talks with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas about reforming his government. Meanwhile, German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock is in Lebanon, where she has been holding talks with caretaker Prime Minister Najib Mikati. They discussed tensions between Israel and Shiite Leba- Lebanese Hezbollah militia. Guido Steinberg from the German Institute for International and Security Affairs has more about Blinken's and Baerbock's visit to the region. The visits by Secretary Blinken are far more important uh, than the visits of the German foreign minister, mainly because we do know that there are indirect talks going on between the United States and Hezbollah through the Lebanese government. And I've got the impression that the German foreign minister is assisting assisting these talks. U.S. and British naval forces say they have shot down missiles and drones fired by Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. Britain 
calls it the largest attack by the Yemen-based militants since they began targeting commercial ships in November. The Houthis say they are blocking Israeli ships or those headed to the nation in response to Israel's war in Gaza. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. Violence in Ecuador has exploded into what the country's president has called an internal armed conflict against drug gangs. Daniel Noboa has declared 22 narco groups as terrorist organization and has ordered the army to neutralize them. At least eight people have been killed in various attacks. The U.S. says it's extremely worried by the violence. China has closed its embassy and consulates in the country. And Ghanaian chef Fahilatu Abdul Razak appears to have broken the world record after cooking non-stop for more than 227 hours. Wrapped in her country's flag, Abdul Razak brought the cookathon to an end in an emotional way with a salute to the crowd on Wednesday prior to the cooking marathon. She said it was a national assignment saying that she was doing it for her country, Ghana. For more news and information, head on to our website, dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jen Nyinge. Thanks for sticking with us on DW's Africa Link program, coming to you live from our Bond studios. My name is Josie Mahachi. And Eddie Micah Jr., that's my name. Remember to comment on the stories we're covering on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Let's go to the Democratic Republic of Congo. The country's constitutional court has declared Felix Chisekedi the winner of the contested presidential election last month. That's after rejecting two legal challenges to the provisional results. Now, this means President Felix Chisekedi will now serve a second term of five more years in a mineral-rich, massive Central African country. Zanem Netizaida has more on this. Despite two complaints lodged with the constitutional courts, calling for the election to be annulled. The court of the Democratic Republic of Congo confirmed Felix Tshisekedi, a president of the DRC. For this new five-year term, many citizens of the city of Goma in the province of North Kivu are expecting the president-elect to be active and realistic on several fronts, mainly security and social. Daniel Nzanzu is a resident of Goma. He has to know how to keep his word. We really want to live peacefully, like he promised to hit back at Kagame regime, which has created insecurity in the east of the republic. We want the president to keep that promise. That is the best thing as a citizen that he would have given the country. Best Rosahinda, a motorcycle taximan and resident of the town of Goma, recommends that the president of the republic works harder to improve the social life of Congo citizens during her second term. The Congolese people have just given him a second chance. For me, improving on security remains the main priority. He should look into the welfare of soldiers so that they are motivated to protect the nation. Our Wazalindu brothers sacrificed a lot to protect this country, but are never considered. Other Congolese citizens living in Goma believe that the re-elected president must take the Congolese people's wishes seriously. For Bahati Buana, an agent with a daycare service in the town of Goma during her second term in office, President Chisekedi will have to improve the life and working conditions of the armed forces of the Democratic Republic of Congo, 
not forgetting there was a land of self-defense armed forces. Improving the social life of the Congolese in general means reducing the high rate of the dollar on the market. If he succeeds bringing down the dollar rate, then he will succeed in everything. If God is on his side, then he will also be able to fix roads, especially those in the provinces. Political analysts advise the re-elected president to take into account the many challenges facing the province of North Kivu. Fiston Isemwami, a journalist and independent political analyst, believes that the president of the republic faces a number of challenges in her second term. He will have to put an end to this war, which is affecting the social life of the population. Today, for example, in Goma, the exchange rate of the American dollar against the Congolese franc is galloping. Besides that, all feeder roads to Goma are blocked because of the ongoing war between government forces and the M23 rebels. There is also famine that has hit communities as a result of this ongoing war. Despite the opposition of candidates such as Moise Katumbi and Martin Fayulu, to the results of the December 20th presidential elections, the DRC's constitutional courts rejected the complaints of candidate Theodore Ngoi and another Congolese citizen before confirming Felix Chisekedi as president of the Republic, elected with over 73% of the electorate. Zanem Netizaida with that report from DRC. Now we also have comments on that particular story, Eddie. Yeah, people are definitely having their say. Isaga Jalu says, It is just too funny in Africa when opposition forces garner the enthusiasm to seek redress on election irregularities against an incumbent. And Alex Bayarunga says, So the opposition was expecting the judges and the Supreme Court in a country where their president is residing would say he lost. I mean, why not? Yeah, right. <laughs> Azania Alwazi says elections are won in court in Africa. Um, at, at the end of the day, that's what the court is there for, right? Mm-hmm. If you have any grievances with the election, with any kind of election, and you feel like, oh, the, you know, there are some irregularities here and there, take it to the but, court, but to the look oppo- at the issue, and then if you if you want, then no, that's But the opposition it. are saying it's captured, like the courts, the court system, the well, that's, judicial that's, system in, in, in Congo is captured by the president himself, you know, that's what they're saying. I mean, that's a different debate. Obviously, we cannot mm. confirm or deny yes. that, right? It's, 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 it's some of the grievances that they've been, you know, letting out. Mm-hmm. But you cannot condemn the system that is there, that this is the right system, this is the right way. People would definitely prefer that than for, you know, vagabonds, so to speak speak yeah. in quote to carry machetes and you know be, be very brutal Absolutely. physically with people so let's let's go through the right democratic processes and this is what has been happening across the continent keep those comments coming through on our facebook page dw africa now uh, this is some news we reported on a while ago mm-hmm. uh, josie it's but, been uh, trending exactly and, and we just have this follow-up the federal government of nigeria has made a u-turn and banned 18 foreign universities including ones from the u.s and Britain that were accredited to operate in the country years back. These universities spent years issuing fake degrees and Nigerians <laughs> were also warned to avoid certificates from Benin Republic and Togo. Now, the undercover investigative report was carried out by a Nigerian journalist, Umar Aoudou. 
He got his hand on a degree in six weeks in Kotunu University without attending any class. Authorities in Nigeria are now probing more than a hundred local private universities established in the last 15 years. Shehu Salmanu has more. The agitations of students' associations and academic staff unions to store the past glory of university education in Nigeria remain alive. That is, despite the rampant influx of fake degree certificates, the involvement of youth in this scandal was in the scenario. Nigerian journalist Omar Audu, who uncovered the fake degree plot, tells us how big the problem is. So this problem is very, very wide. Uh, you'll see a lot of young Nigerians now who are desperately looking for a certificate, and it's causing a serious dent to our educational uh, sector. So we thought uh, we should draw the government attention and even Nigerians to the nefarious activities going on in these two countries. Apparently, many Nigerians rushed to neighboring countries and bought the four-year degree in just weeks. The certificates delivered at home like any other commodity. This development undermines the country's education system and productivity that is according to Ibrahim Shatambaya, a Nigerian university lecturer. What has happened over the years, how these universities have been taking advantage of Nigeria shows clearly that uh, those universities have contributed in actually producing ill-prepared and unprofessional graduates. This is on account of the fact that the effectiveness and efficiency with which these graduates are expected to deliver and carry out the required functions in organizations where they are employed uh, is completely not there. The Nigerian government feels that it is time now to control the damage after some concerned citizens dig deep into the matter. Here is Umar again. It won't be right for us to allow these things to be going on. While some people are working hard, cracking their brain, having sleepless nights to achieve academic excellence, some people will sit at the comfort of their homes and order for a merited certificate and it will be delivered to them in a very short period of time. So that doesn't speak well of us as a nation. Togo and Benin are also notorious for fake degree trade. Nigerian authorities swung into action where certificates from those universities were banned. Ugandan, Kenyan and Ghanaian universities are also on the blacklist. Yeah, Ghana is on that list. Yeah. That was (laughs) Shehu Shehu Salmanu brought us that report. Well, it's not just me and Josie having our say. You guys have been commenting on this Mm. on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Josie, let's catch some of them. Yes, we asked, what do you make of this? And John Paul Udenze says, the men Tinubu, that's the president, no get shame. How can you fight something you are the father or father of uh, fighting forgery? Very laughable. Mm -hmm. Allegations here and there. Lloyd uh, Boisiaku says, he should give master's degree to Ghana (laughs) over Jollof rice. That I would give thumbs up to. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Michael Benson, what were you expecting when the country itself is a phony creature? How about its electoral process and its president without a single certificate? Very unfortunate. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of uh, people talking about Nigeria being a country of fakes, including 
you know, even the food and all of that. Like I see a lot of those. So they have fake jollof as well. A, that is a Ghanaian. I know Nana is a Ghanaian name. Nana what do you, ex- yes. oh, yeah, yeah. you expect them it's to say? Good. It's all good. Thanks a lot for those comments coming through. Mm-hmm. Now, thank you so much for staying with us. Just to remind you, you're listening to DW's Africa Link, coming to you live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Join us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. That's where the show is live. And we also appreciate our listeners via our partner stations around the world. Now, still to come, Kenyans unhappy over Kenya's visa-free entry policy. Kenya has operated like a toilet. People just show up, do whatever they want, which is bad. president has made one of the worst and uncalled for decisions. I want to tell Mr. President, you are opening doors for all manner of people to come and terrorize Kenyans. Okay, that sounds interesting, right? So let's jump straight into it. Kenya's visa-free gambit has taken off and is already facing early hiccups. On January 1st, Kenya said it has become the first country to allow citizens from any country around the world to enter its borders visa-free. Emphasis on visa-free, mm-hmm. right? According to the government, the initiative is aimed to bolster tourism, trade and regional integration by removing visa barriers for all nationalities. Now I see why you're planning your trip to Kenya. (laughs) You like free things. Mm -hmm. However, early reports suggest the reality may be somewhat more complex as tourists and the international community complain about the new system. For more on this, here is our correspondent Andrew Wasike in Nairobi. Kenyans were buzzing with excitement, visions of our flowing markets, booked safaris, full hotels, lodges, and clinking glasses in bustling city restaurants danced in their heads. More tourists means more money, a chance to breathe life into struggling businesses, which also send a ripple of prosperity through the country thanks to visa-free travels to Kenya. Well, January 1st arrived, the visa-free gate swung open, and a collective green stretch across the nation. Immigration Principal Secretary Julius Bitok said Kenya expects to double tourist arrival numbers by the end of the year while welcoming the first batch of visa-free travelers who landed at the Jomo Kenyatta International Airport. As we speak now, the new visa-free regime is in place. We have put in all the measures, we have engaged all the stakeholders, we have engaged all the partners to ensure that we have a visa-free country. We are expecting the numbers to double to over 5 million per year. When you look at the impact of this policy, you realize that we are going to be collecting, or rather we are going to gain approximately 1.5 trillion from tourism alone. Kenya earned 1.8 billion US dollars from tourism revenue in 2023, according to Bitok. He said operational Kenya aims to earn $9.5 billion from tourism revenue annually. Kyung Sang Yu, a tourist from South Korea, was among the first tourists to land in Nairobi visa-free. So I applied this system again and uh, that was very easy and like, very convenient because I could like apply at once for my family or my family members before then like I need to like apply separately. Lorenzo Marino, also a tourist, loads the new system but says it is hectic. Kenya before COVID had 2 million tourists per year 
and I think it has the potential to reach 10 million tourists per year doing the right things. The country is growing but it could do much much better. I think Kenya needs a little bit of adjustments. The honeymoon phase hit a snag. The visa-free policy is not entirely free. There is a $30 electronic travel authorization ETA fee attached and technical glitches have turned online applications into obstacle courses, leaving visitors and tourists stranded in their home countries. Confusion has since reigned at airports with the new procedures clashing with old expectations. Kenyans are divided on this. We need to abolish visa restrictions everywhere. We need to make it easier for our people to trade with one another, to visit one another, and to create true unity that we speak of so this decision by kenya is definitely a plus in my opinion i think it is worse than when we had visas kenya has operated like a toilet people just show up do whatever they want which is but the system is not something that i would comment the president has made one of the worst and uncalled for decision for abolishing the visa fee for anybody walking or coming to this country. I want to tell Mr. President, you are opening doors for all manner of people to come and terrorize Kenyans. Kenya's visa-free experiment is still in its early days and the jury is very much out. Will it be a tourism revolution or a frustrating footnote? Only time will tell whether Kenya can iron out the wrinkles, address the concerns and turn this bold move into a resounding success. Indeed, only time will tell. Thank you so much, Andrew Asike, for that report. So, Eddie, I know you are so eager to visit Kenya. Is it mm. really because of the visa-free or the... I mean, obviously, that is a, bit, a little bit of motivation. I've never been, so I'd have loved the chance to be there. But okay. I was so excited. Why Kenya, though? I don't know. It could be anywhere. I've just never Zimbabwe been. Zimbabwe now. Zimbabwe too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, I was super excited when I heard it's visa-free. Then mm. I checked details and it's like you have to pay $30. When yep, you apply for the visa, so it's a paid visa on arrival thing, and it's it was that all is a, a bit visa confusing. on arrival yeah, that you have to pay. That you have to pay. I mean, when you talk about visa-free entry, that's why my colleague Isaac Mugabe is with us here in the studio. Isaac, for Rwanda, mm. yes. it's visa visa-free is visa-free, isn't it? It is visa-free. You know, the, the issue of paying on arrival. No, no, no. That is history. Yeah. I mean, it was just a, in November when President Paul Kagame was hosting a big, big conference, and mm-hmm. he announced, you know, that. That month, effective, it was visa-free. Mm. So what should we call this Kenya one, in your opinion? <laughs> it's a hustling visa-free. <laughs> <laughs> visa-free. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's okay. Uh, our colleague Isaac Kaleji. Let's check out Isaac Zani. Mugabe. Oh, Isaac Kaleji. Sorry, Isaac <laughs> Mugabe. Here's why he's with us here. Africa Link. Sport. Indeed, the delayed 2023 Africa Cup of Nations kicks off in Ivory Coast on Saturday, January 13th. The 34th edition of the tournament was originally scheduled to be held between June and July 2023, so African players would not miss any matches with their clubs. However, the Confederation of African Football, CAF, changed their plans after concerns were raised about adverse weather conditions as a result of Ivory Coast's rainy season. That's right. The hosts opened the tournament on Saturday, 
They will take on Guinea-Bissau in Group A at the new purpose-built Alassane Ouattara Stadium. Now, after becoming the first African side to reach the semi-finals of the World Cup in Qatar, that was in 2022, Morocco are the favourites to win the tournament, while Senegal are the defending champions. I mean, these are all mm-hmm. what people are saying. We can't say that on authority, obviously. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Senegal, President Macky Sall has promised the national football team rewards they, in courts, can't imagine. Mm. If they retain their African Cup of Nations title during a colorful pre-tournament flag ceremony at the Presidential Palace. Sal also congratulated star player Sadio Mane on his recent marriage. Yeah, marriage the whole world has been talking about uh, <laughs> how long they knew each other. But hey, all, all that matters is love that is love. Love is love. They, they found each other. It was a very beautiful wedding. Mm. Sadio Mane is going to be playing this Africa Cup of Nations as a married man. Now, all girls stay away. All girls stay away for mm. sure. Now, as many are eager or ready to know how the tournament will end, here's what Khalidu Kulubali. Senegal's captain had to say. Here we are again, fully motivated and aware of what's at stake at the upcoming African Cup of Nations in the Ivory Coast. We will be defending our title valiantly. I can assure you that all that we are ready to defend our colours with the same passion, the same ardour, the same commitment, the same will as we had two years ago. Kalidu Kolibali, Senegal captain the Isaac. So what do you think of this? Will Senegal make it this time? I think they are among the favorites. And for me, that gesture of uh, President Makisa receiving them was really not only symbolic, but very important as a morale booster for the players. Mm-hmm. And you know, Senegalese fans bring the party mode to the stadium. You know, when they line up with the country, you know, inscribed on the chest of that team. So Mm. Senegal, I can say up to now, they're among the favorites. But I will let you know who other teams are going to make it big. Okay. Okay. And for Ghana, your country, Eddie, (laughs) and I assume, rather, your favorite (laughs) in the tournament by default. Inaki Williams is eager to lead Ghana deep into the Africa Cup of Nations. Williams, the son of Ghanaian parents who migrated to Spain before he was born, declared his sporting allegiance five Mm -hmm. months before the 2022 World Cup. Yeah, the Athletic Bilbao forward was unable to score in three group phase games as his side failed to advance to the knockout round in Qatar leaving him with the bittersweet experience when his excitement to represent Ghana was not matched by his performances. Now, Williams is confident he will enjoy more success at Africa's biggest soccer tournament in Ivory Coast. During the Qatar World Cup, I had barely spent 90 minutes with my teammates. They barely knew me. They didn't know how I move on the pitch. Also, they didn't know me personally. Nowadays, they know I'm here to help, to do my best, that I'm a very hardworking and humble person trying to help. And the team has given me a great welcome. I am living some of my best moments personally and in the sport. I think they will see a different Naki Williams in the Africa Cup. At least I hope that. I'm very happy and looking forward to facing it and reaching the tournament as far as possible. The voice of Iñaki Williams, uh, Isaac Mugabe with us in the studio voicing over uh, the Spanish that you spoke. But I mean, Ghana 
having a chance in this competition, yeah, Isaac? Well, <laughs> among what uh, soccer pundits or football pundits have been saying, the teams they've been nominating, Ghana is not anywhere near the top five. But oh. I always tell you, I always tell you, <laughs> Eddie and Jose, I always say football has a way to tell its mm. language. And for me, you had that young man, Inaki Williams. Mm. I think he made a statement. Mm. And he's making a statement, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, last time at Qatar, the team had really known him for 90 minutes. But now he said they're going to see a different me. Mm-hmm. The welcome is enormous. And he must be, he might be full of surprises. And who knows? The Black Stars maybe. It's time for them to redeem themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and play the football that we know of them at least 15 years ago. Mm. You know, Isaac, I love predictions a lot. So, Mm. I mean, which teams do you foresee making it to the semifinals? Semifinals. Okay. Without fear of contradiction, I can see uh, the Egyptian pharaohs trying to mend, uh, to correct what, where they didn't go very well. The Moroccans also have that flair that they reached the farthest stage in the World mm-hmm. Cup. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully, they, they, they re- it remains that way. And don't forget, Morocco, by the way, is a team to watch because mm-hmm. it has so many super players like uh, uh, Nusail Mazrawi, who plays for Bayern Munich. They have Ziyech, Akmi Ziyech, who is on loan in Galatasaray, and also Ashraf Hakimi, remember him? And yep. his mom always, you know, kissed his forehead whenever he played really well. Mm-hmm. He plays for Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> so they might come to say, okay, where we failed at the World Cup, we have come to make ends, you know, in Africa Cup of Nations. And trust me, if Morocco takes this time, it will be the undisputable king of football for many years to come. Mm, those are two. What about the those last two? Se- of course, Senegal, I didn't mention that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Senegal, the the the, 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 the Teranga. Mm-hmm. And yes, that boost, that boost from the president himself yeah. was really important. Yeah. Other teams like uh, Nigerians, uh, Super Eagles, uh, Ghana's Black Stars, <laughs> they've been making, you know, so much, not noise, but statements on Twitter or now currently X. They said, okay, we have arrived in Cote d'Ivoire, now the Africa Cup of Nations can start. <laughs> but for me, starting is not the point. Uh, Winning the games is what matters most. Yeah, I'll mm. tell you what, though. I mean, Ghana, after what, 30, 34 <laughs> years plus or so? That, um, Don't worry, I'm going the to last encourage them yeah, yeah the last time we won that competition and every 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 time there's a competition we say it's our time it's our time football this time mark my words i'm supporting home. them so they'll win don't worry football is coming home josie not Ghana's your home it. yes uh-huh. our home. but of course we have to wait and see how Ghana will perform with Calpe Verde. that will determine yeah how far you can go in the tournament. You know, Cape Verde can be very stubborn. Very and stubborn. And they are giant killers anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see how things will go. Let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. The Africa Cup of Nations begins on the 13th of January, 2024. Mm-hmm. We'll keep you posted on all the action on the ground. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Isaac Mugabe, for that. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. And I'm Josie Mahachi. Until tomorrow, take care. DW Made for Minds